Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 30 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph B. Avenue. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? There's some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. we're going to talk about some typewriter poets and about typewriter poetry. So a few weeks back, a few months back, I actually got an opportunity to go and work for a liquor company uh, during Tales of the Cocktail and to be their resident in-house typewriter poet. I was dressed in suspenders and a bow tie, and I took Smith Corona down to Aiden Gill on Fulton Street, where we it was fully catered and had a full bar and nice food and nice people. Sponsored by a mystery liquor company. Sponsored by a mis- mystery liquor company that cannot be named. I wish you would have seen that. It was fun, man. I mean, here's the thing that really got me. So here's my process. And mind you, that was the first time I've ever done typewriter poetry. Well, as far as, not as far as like visual poetry. I mean, I do visual typewriter poetry often, but I'm saying like as far as I'm doing like... Writing poems on demand. On demand for people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I got to go and do this. So well, here's how I would do it. I would meet the people. They would come up and be like, hey, what are you doing? And I would say, oh, I'm here to type you a poem. And they would say, really? And I'd say, yeah, I'm here to type you a poem. It's like part of, part of this, you know, event here. And they're like, oh, cool. Um, and they're like, how does it work? I was like, I was like, well, the, let's talk a little bit. I'm like, okay, sure. I flip out my notebook and I just start asking them questions. I'd be like, where are you from? What do you like? What are you into? You know, tell me what you like about New Orleans, what you're doing here. Tell me what you like about cocktails. Tell me what you like about bourbon. Tell me what you like about the steak. So would you try to like actually tailor that? Them, I did. Or would Every you one just kind of kinda, uh, no. use that as a jumping off point? No, I would. I would take notes, and then I would. I would work some parts of their character. And here's the thing: if you work three parts of their life into into yeah. the poem, they're really blown People away. Like that, I really mean. blown away by it. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that's kind of cool. I mean that, but it's part of the thing that's weird about. Everybody cherished their piece, though. I mean, everyone, yeah. people, so this is the way it works, is there's these young poets out here on the street, and they're redefining, in a certain sense, the economics of poetry. And Okay, yeah, so, I mean, we, 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 I mean and we're going to get into that in some of the interviews, but yeah, economics is a part of it. But, I mean, I guess the part of it that's not new is there is definitely, like, this tradition of occasional poetry, like writing poetries on a subject by commission, or for an occasion on commission, and there's some element of that in typewriter poets, right? Correct. Um, but I guess I mean, and you're saying like, right? Like, so people are gonna are going to cherish a poem if it has something in it that's meaningful to them. But I have to say, the one thing that's a little weird to to it about it to me is 
It kind of reminds me of like if you go to an improv comedy show and they they do like where they'll like pick someone out of the audience and ask all these questions about their life and then like act it out. Oh my god. You never seen that? No. It kind of feels like that in some ways. I mean, I guess that's the thing with it. There's a lot of space depending on the poet and how they use the information they get from that person. I'm not saying that you can't make a good po- good poem out of that because I think you certainly can, but I think there's just a lot of leeway within that of how much you're you're tailoring it to that person and how much you're doing. And I know, so it didn't sound like you did this, but I know some people too, when they do this, they also ask about what they would like a poem about and try to give them that as well. Did you do that at all? Uh, not really. Uh, I didn't really ask them what they wanted a poem about, no. I, I mean, I would ask, I would, I would talk to them, and I would, I would, I would, I would, I would get to know who they were, and then I would write a special poem about them, or like, or about like their experience in New Orleans, you know, or about New Orleans, or about their experience yeah, of yeah. Tales of the Cocktail, you know. And I guess part of that's the nature of the event too. But I, you know, there is this place in poetry historically for occasional poetry, right? I think, at least in Europe. And you think of what the poet laureate was for England. That was part of the job, right? You, that was actually what you did. You wrote poems for events, right? Yeah. So I mean, certainly writing poems in a kind of commissioned sort of way is something that's part of poetry. So I do kind of like that idea of it. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I do worry sometimes with it that I think some of the people who do typewriter poetry have not written or read a lot of poetry before they begin doing it. Okay. And some of them grow into it. Some of them are not interested in growing into it. That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just kind of depends. I mean, One I think- of our fellow poets had an argument with one of those kids down there, and he was like, there's been no poetry written in this city since Bukowski. You know? And it's like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, There's definitely some people who are doing that, that it's more about the economic aspect of it than it is about poetry, right? Absolutely. And, you know, for the person who is getting a poem written, I don't know if it matters too much to them whether it's a good poem or not at the end of the day. It's a souvenir for them to take away, and the experience of being in another place and having this kind of romantic experience of an antiquated piece of machinery and someone using that to create an artifact for you. There's something in that in and of itself, right? And I think that's part of the appeal of it. Uh, Which is not to take away from it, but I think sometimes the poetry may get lost in typewriter poetry because of the other aspects of it. I don't know. Do you you, you agree with that? Yeah, Yeah, because I think there's, you know... I, well, it's a different. We can get into this forever, but this is like a, it's like a different thing, right? Like, anytime you're participating in a system, then your poetry is contained within that system. So, the system is you you give me money, or I write you a poem and you give me money. Well, yeah, but well, you're, that's the but, system that you're in, then. But so I think your pressure. You decide. You decide how much 
you're allowing that system to exert pressure on you, right? Just like in any system, I'm not saying there's anything, there's nothing particular about typewriter poetry. It's the same thing if you're in the academic world of poetry, the same thing happens, right? But it's, but different people negotiate in different ways how they deal with that and how much pressure they let that put on the job they do and the writing that they do, right? So yeah, I mean, there's certainly, I think, typewriter poets who figure out a really good way to navigate that and actually come out with a lot of good writing out of it. And then there's others who are essentially not writing poetry. They're writing souvenirs. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of people in between, right? Sure. Uh, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Which I don't think is anything specific to typewriter poetry. You're right. I think that's just the nature of doing something like that, especially when there's a monetary aspect involved in it and uh, you're trying to make money. For sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like the economy. And I think that you look at where we are, there, where people are down the quarter, the situation down there as like, you know, it's a tourist situation. So, yeah. And I mean, I wish we, we had gotten to talk to people who had done it in other cities. We're really kind of coming more from the New Orleans aspect of it, which I think in my recollection – didn't really start here till post Katrina, uh, but it wasn't long after, and really began on Frenchman Street first, uh, which made sense because especially at that time, that was when Frenchman was starting to be more of a tourist destination after people being scared to go that far out of the quarter before. Uh, that kind of was like it in in the burgeoning era of Frenchman becoming a tourist destination. <laughs> Which was kind of really an interesting time for Frenchman Street because there was still a lot of real down and dirty music happening, but you had a lot of a lot of people going there specifically for that purpose, right? But I think it had it had really happened in a lot of other cities first. I remember hearing hearing about it going on in Portland a lot. I'm trying to remember where else I really remember hearing about it happening more first. Can you think of like other cities where you heard? I mean, I definitely remember going on in Portland earlier on. I think maybe New York, there was a little bit of that, but you know, there's so much in New York, it always gets swallowed up with everything. But it was definitely, the, New Orleans was not the first city for it to happen. But I think, yeah, you kind of need a place where you've got kind of a consistent tourist population that's has like foot traffic right yeah. i mean that's it's really dependent on foot traffic you need to have like a, a part of town where people are are going to just be walking by and kind of be taking their time and, and doing whatever they're doing but you know be be willing to be able to stop and have someone write them a poem right yeah i don't know where i'm going with this but uh yeah i think we need to give a little bit of the background i think maybe some of it comes through our interviews but not that much yeah, I mean, I think it comes out of, a, you know, this like this idea of the, well, I mean, I think where we're at right now, I think that the people, it's like you look at the, we look at the, um, you know, we look at the typewriter as like a passe kind of, you know, machine, you know, it's not really a modern thing anymore. Which is weird, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that are, I think, very nice about writing poetry on a typewriter that are different from writing by hand but also different from writing in a, in a, on a computer, right? It's, it's like a weird in-between state, right? Like I love writing by, on hand, by hand for first drafts in a lot of ways, but it's almost too impermanent in some sense because it's so, you don't, 
you know, you're going to scratch things out. You're going to do whatever. Where on a typewriter, you certainly can. And I kind of love when you just X things out and you don't even use the corrective tape or you just put X's over things. That's fine. But it you seem to, I think, naturally cut less out if you're writing on the typewriter, right? You True. you leave more to stand as it is, which is which is a different thing and is kind of kind of interesting, I think, as far as the mechanics of, of going through your writing and, and and it affects it affects the final result, I think, in a lot Absolutely, of ways. because you're like in the cadence of the machine and the rhythm and the pace and you know, you're like in that in that sort of like well you're manifesting a, an original physical poem through a machine. You know I wonder if you could put this out on the street in some way. But I, when I was in undergrad, I remember something that my friends and I would do all the time is we would get together by, because we were, we, none of us had money, so we would buy a big jug of Carlo Rossi and we would pull out the manual typewriter and we would collaboratively write poems using the typewriter. And that was a fun thing to do too, right? You just trade off or you have one person who's responsible for typing the things up and you just all kind of dictate to them. And, uh, you know, we would do rangas or we would do, or sometimes not even, sometimes we'd just be like, all right, we're all sitting around shooting the shit and let's write something together. Yeah. Which is a fun thing to do. But again, I think using a typewriter for that is different than, than doing it by hand. It feels semi-permanent in some sort of sense, right? You don't like, you, you're, you're, you kind of go with what you're working with. You, you don't, over edit as you're going along, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if you could do a collaborative on the street typewriter poetry. That would be interesting. Collaborative with like passers by or Yeah, multiple people uh by a typewriter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that would work exactly. It would be interesting though. We thought of this um one of my roommates who was here uh, a while back, we thought of this idea together where it was uh where we were gonna like we were gonna create like a, a typewriter lazy susan with like eight typewriters on it That'd be and cool. we were gonna call it typewriter roulette oh my god that would be awesome <laughs> and it was gonna be like like this eight typewriters eight poets write a line turn the yep turn the thing write another line turn the thing that'd be pretty cool yeah i like it <laughs> i don't think it would be actually that hard to do to no create that to no. create that machine uh, we'd find a little Whatever mechanical piece you need to create that, it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could we could do it with a um, we could do it with a really big find um, a um, what's it called? Uh, find a '60s Chinese restaurant that's going out of business where they had those huge lazy susans just taking them. Yeah, table. well, that would be great. But you know, you could do it with uh, what's uh, Five Happenies used to have those. I wonder what they did with all their old uh, when they re- when they remodeled. I wonder what they did with all their old giant lazy susan yeah, tables. I wonder. Um, one of those. <laughs> um, we could do it with a giant fidget spinner. But yeah, so I don't know. I think it's an interesting phenomenon. There's a lot of things to think about with poetry and think about typewriters. And, you know, this is so outside of your experience doing that for that event. This is not something that you've done before. And it's not something that I've done done either. So we really just thought it would be interesting to give you some various kind of takes on it from people who have done this for for various amounts of time on the street and kind of what they think about it and what they like about it what they don't like about it economics of it the money behind the money game behind it and yeah and that's part of the thing right poetry is never much money but this is maybe a way that you could 
certainly, I mean, some people, especially if you, you don't have a lot of expenses, can kind of make a living off of it, right? You can you could certainly scrape out a living on it, if nothing else. People claim they make a living on it, but I think that's bullshit. But that maybe leave that in another episode. Well, I, I don't think, know if you uh, can make a living on it. I mean, can you really make a living well, on it? Well, I mean, I think, like, we talked to Eric in this, and I think Eric has at times made a living off of this, but he doesn't have a lot of expenses, right? He lives... In a simple way, right? Yeah. I think if you're if you're doing that, you can make a living on it for sure. But yeah, I mean, if you're trying to uh, live the normal American lifestyle, you probably cannot make a living on it, right? No. Uh, but yeah, if you if you're if all you're looking for is a way to pay a little bit of rent and have enough money to buy some food, maybe you, you can. You know, I think it's not an easy living, but you can make a living doing that, and it's kind of an interesting way to do that. I think. You're going to hear some interviews here from various different people, and we'll kind of introduce those as we go through. So here we go. Here's our episode on typewriter poetry. So, hey, we're, we're sitting here in a, uh, the tiniest courtyard possible in the French Quarter <laughs> on a balmy, hot day. It's and we're with uh, Christian Davenport, a.k.a. Cubs the Poet. Yes, hello, y'all. And we're taking him away from his day job yes. right now, so he's getting paid for this. <laughs> Actually, we... I clocked out. Okay, yeah. clocked out. All right. To clock it. All right, thank you. <laughs> but, right, but um, let's get back to the typewriter poets yeah. and just how that, just the, the dynamic. The dynam- uh, upsetting having to take a collegiate route? Not oh, not you, that. Okay, I'm okay. talking about an, I, I'm talking about an industry upsetter in the mm-hmm. world of poetry. Okay. You... The, there's a microcosm of the way the poetry is Oh, like sa- book saleable. reading, going to a reading. It's saleable to, yeah, on, yeah. on Royal like Street. More, I guess you yeah. say more the, not so much the monetary aspect, the audience aspect of it, or like how you how, how, with poets, yeah. with the audience. I mean, like, typewriter poetry on the streets of New Orleans being a, a disturbing a disturbance on the poetry in, in, scene, in, in the poetry scene yeah, yeah. in a, is, in a certain way, is. an industry. But it's not just Royal poetry. Street. Like uh, So, like, what we do, and there's a few other poets... The typewriting poetry is upsetting. Is upsetting everything. I mean, because I've gone on stages where you know you have poets who recite from a piece of paper, who recite verbatim, and then I phone on their phone, (laughs) and the phone cuts off, and they're stuck. But like like with me as a typewriting poet, I get on stage with my typewriter and I ask the audience for a, a word, and then I write the poem, and then I recite it. Right. So that upsets the whole game because. We think poetry is just like uh, in a book, or we think that you know it's abstract, or it's like this uh, slam poetry. All of that is like on on one side of the fence. What I'm, what I and a few other are, are doing is like we're showing people that you can create it on the spot, and there's something about like that bridge that poetry is between conscious, unconscious, and like the global communicative group. But are you also trying to break down that third, that wall between yeah, between participant, between audience and definitely, poet? Definitely. I don't want... Performer and po- an audience? Definitely. What we're doing at the space, um, uh, Annunciation Hall. Yeah, please. Plug that. Yeah, you can Hall. plug whatever you want. Annunciation Hall is a spot um, where we're going to introduce, uh, and we have done it uh, a few months ago, where you have an audience of people and there are like a few poets in the room with typewriters and we write books uh, for whoever wants one, right? And we'll read the book out loud, but I think that right there breaks down the, the detachment, right? You know, to bring it back with like the daytime job and a poet being in a in a workforce and having a division, right? People have that when they experience poetry. So what we're doing is breaking that apart by bringing people into the process of poetry. You know, because we need your words just as much as we put them together. You know, and and if you see your words in a book, 
you'll read that book, you know, and you'll really, it'll really sink in. You know, you'll redefine the way you think because you're seeing it written out by a poet, you know, and I think that that's very important in the world of poetry, you know. And that dynamic, well, I mean, now that we've been in that direction, we were, we were actually talking about this earlier, is that dynamic of uh, audience and poet yeah, yeah. and audience interaction. Mm-hmm. You're really going right for it mm-hmm. in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're going to make a book now. Mm-hmm. Or what was the one, the collage? Yeah, collage okay. poetry. Collage poetry. And, you know, where, yeah, where does that come from? Where does that, that come from? like coming out of a, I mean, I think there certainly is, but I don't know if there's a direct lineage there. And do you see that coming out of any, like, kind of pre-existing poetry? Well, see, and that's funny, because, like, when I started on the street, never heard of Ginsburg, never heard of all these writers, the beatniks, never heard of them. Until I was out there, and I was like, yo, this shit is like Ginsburg or Kerouac. And I was like, I don't know who these guys are, right? I didn't come from that time. I came from, like, hip-hop. That's the reason I was able to write on the spot, because I know about freestyling and, like, just catching a beat while I'm writing, and that's why I write on Royal because you have the bands, and I'm typing to the, to the rhythm of the bands. So you got you go back to the jazz, you go yeah. back to jazz poetry yeah. and that yeah. that that oral tradition, the interaction yeah. between language and sound. And, yeah, and it's just that. the way my mind works, and, and 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 I think it's a great starting point. It's great to like cultivate it even more so and read Ginsburg and read and know why these guys work. You know what propelled them, right? But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so it falls into tradition, and you recognize that tradition is a valid thing that you're pulled that you're that you maybe started off as your own thing, mm-hmm. and oh, you did the thing, but then rediscovering, rediscovering, much, much. knowing that I'm not alone, knowing that this is not some something that no, nobody else can do. Yeah, because we heard there's people out here who are bad mouthing people who are saying there's no poetry, no fresh poetry in New Orleans. Yeah. That's not true. Be be people who don't know what they're talking about, type of parts of the streets in New Orleans. I'm going to say it. Don't even know who their favorite poet is. Did those people exist out here? I mean, let's be honest. You're saying some of the poets that you've come across don't know know poetry. Yeah. Well, yeah, some of them don't have a background in poetry. They've seen it happen and want to get down and learn about it, and that's great. But like I said, and I said earlier, you have to kind of like cultivate that, man. You can't just come out and think you can catch on to something and catching on. And being are two different things. You know, like being a poet and then catching on to the poetry scene, it's two different. And they're fine. You know, they're fine. There's like the CEO and the employees. They all work, but there's two different understandings about it. And I think that's very important. And I think poetry in New Orleans is a little different because all of us, most of us, are individual enough to like respect each other and try to make a community. And that's what we're doing, but we're still like, doing it the right way we're not just saying for the sake of community we come together we're like for the sake of poetry and what we're understanding we're going to come together and I think that's important too it's not money though we're not coming together because of money I I would like for us to come together because we are doing something that's like very important in poetry right now and very important man to be able to sit down and write a book about love and have five different perspectives on in one page in one book is very important to give to somebody else to read well and I think you know Typewriter poetry in general, I think New Orleans maybe has a place in that, but a lot of things, I mean, I think a lot of people think of poetry as being this thing placed up on a pedestal that they're not a part of, and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of work mm-hmm. to, like, make make people not look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, oh, well, it's like, you know, it's not something hung up on the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if your poem is good enough, it'll be on the wall. But I totally understand, <laughs> I understand what you mean, and I understand, yeah. What's she thinking? But it depends upon, it, it does depend on if the person's paying the $5, the 10 or the 20 the Benjamin, whatever it is, 
they're going to they're frame that. They're going to put that up. That's well, going to yeah. be their well, yeah. experiential artifact in New Orleans. A, that's the whole performative poetry experience thing because it's on a typewriter. It's in New Orleans. And I think there are a lot of other poets who type in like L.A., Paris, uh, Canada, New York on the typewriter. And all of that is still being received just as well outside of New Orleans. Uh, yeah, you know? it's, not a, yeah. it's not a New Orleans thing. Sure. I think New Orleans is the best place for it. But it's not a New Orleans Because the weather, man, it's just so good. And heat gets wow. you right, man. <laughs> Humidity. <laughs> Make the words sweat. There's a different kind of people on the street in the world. Yeah. Than you oh, yeah. That's a whole. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, did you find something particular about, like, the kind of people who um, mm-hmm. talk to you when you're on the street? Mm-hmm. They have a different uh, tempo of, like, touring and traveling. You know, the heat slows you down and the drinks slow you down and just us being in New Orleans slow we slow people down you know yeah the herb slows me down (laughs) (laughs) but well good man thank you for taking thank you for taking we we, we took you twice as much as as you as we said we we took you about 20 minutes out of your frame alright thanks I'm here, right off of Decatur Street, with Eric Carter this afternoon. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is our, we, we, you probably already heard from some of our other interviews, talking about people who do typewriter poetry, and so I wanted to get some Eric's thoughts on it, too. <laughs> Where is she? Yeah. My name's Eric Carter. I'm originally from Washington, D.C., but way in a lot of different places. Um, I've been writing uh, typewriter poetry on Christmas Street in New Orleans for about eight years now. Uh, it's been interesting. I love it. It's a good job. It's like a lot of people. Uh, I have a, lot of, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you know, people from all over the world. Sort of a lot of girls from around the world. You know, it's a good time. Probably a more authentic slice of New Orleans than you would think of urban street and stuff like that. So, get a little bit more of a laid back crowd. Um, you know, people more relaxed. It's not, not to say people don't heavily drink, because that'd be a lot. But, uh, How did that start for you? How did you start doing the typewriter? Poetry? I saw a guy doing it. Probably, yeah, maybe nine years ago, almost ten years ago, on Frenchman Street. His name is Dave. We would talk. I see him all the time. We talked over, uh, you know, uh, came around, asked him who we were doing, how we were doing. I uh, tried to figure out the whole name of the game. And then Dave said to me, hey, man, I'm leaving town. Uh, I don't want to see this uh, product going to see. You should start doing it. And I said, well, how do you do it? Says, Just what you're looking at. Right. Correct. I said, okay. So me and my, uh, oh, and he said, so I've been doing this alone, but you should find uh, Parker. a friend who do it with you so you don't sit out here by yourself all the time. Yeah. But sure, man. And, uh, I have a good friend who I worked with a long time ago. His name is Matthew Robinson. 
I remember Matthew. Yeah. yeah. I was try. I tried to get in touch with him for this, but I don't know that he's even around anymore. Are so still here? Okay. He's, uh, uh, he's, uh, That's one of the first people I remember seeing yeah. doing it out there. Yeah. yeah. So me and him, we got together. We both got tired by us. We both sat out there. And uh, kind of just went from there, you know. So if someone came up to you and they wanted a poem, right. what would you ask them? The question is, what's a nice subject, right? Uh, how much time do you have? And then at the end, when you read it, what well, time do you think it's worth to you? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because you put a, put a price tag on it, and it kind of creates this whole kind of false dichotomy of just how much this poem costs. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it cuts both ways, you know. Uh, sometimes I write a blockbuster poem and people give me um, 75 cents. But I've written a poem for a horse. I wrote a poem for about a horse about a month and a half ago. The women gave me 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a poem for a guy's wife. Somebody gave me a hundred dollar bill. Right? It's, you know, it's just like it, it's going to average itself out. So I'm never really that worried about it. You know? So you ask them what topic they want, yeah. and then you just kind of explore more yeah. questions so, in there. And, and you know, so, so what's the most? What's the most frequent topic? Well, I imagine people are visiting New Orleans, so they probably ask. Well, I mean, I maybe just New Orleans in general, huh? No, no. What? I got. No, I, I'm. You. Uh, you. Yeah, I'm stumped. You're a writer. It's love. I love. Well, okay. <laughs> right. I wasn't thinking that general. I was yeah, thinking for some no. reason that people wanted a souvenir or something that they. So the next question is, what kind of love are we talking about? You know what I mean, are we talking about? Domestic violence love? Are we talking about, like, making breakfast in bed love? Are we talking about unrequited love? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, into it a little bit, you know what I mean? So do you get, do you get some interesting stories from people about their uh, oh, love situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, man. This guy came up to me and said, write a poem for my wife. I said, a love poem? He said, yeah. But it's kind of a complicated love poem. Right? I was like, Okay. Explain this to me. His wife had, they had planned this trip to New Orleans uh, for a long time. He was super uh-huh. excited to be coming. And then the night before they were supposed to get on, on the plane, his wife had got another DUI. Right? Okay. And so she had gotten arrested. Uh, right? <laughs> she had gotten arrested. And he was writing this poem to this woman who's actually in jail. So she was in jail for her DUI, yeah. Yeah, her second DUI. And, and he had and he had decide, I'm not gonna stay or am I gonna go on this trip, trip anyway? Yeah. Trip. He left. Right? Wow. Yeah. And so you know, you gotta really like put yourself in those shoes, but I can't be in those shoes, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you kinda gotta be like uh, you know, you don't wanna call her a dumb Whatever, but basically, you know, he's like, I still love her, but at the same time, I still want to, like, kind of give her the ribbing a little bit, you know what I mean? Probably more of a real love poem than a lot of things. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so you just got to feel, like, feel it out, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's funny because uh, my whole... Idea was like I, I'm, I'm big into like the big pie of the sky idea. I like uh, writing uh, 
poems about transformation and adversity and yeah. you know these big big ideas that you gotta wrap your hands around where uh, uh, a lot of people who I write poems for like no don't write anything like that no write me a poem about cheese <laughs> well, I kind of like the idea of writing a poem about cheese I don't know what that would be exactly yeah, but, but yeah just, you know like, no no man write me something like yeah <laughs> well, I mean, this, I mean, that seems, sounds like a recipe for some good poetry, getting that combination of those two things, yeah, yeah. You've mostly done that on Frenchman, have you done that in other places too? Yeah, or? yeah, I did it in uh, Washington Square, New York. Oh, okay. And, uh... What's the difference between New Orleans on Frenchman oh, Street man. and Washington man. Square in New York? Man. <laughs> So, the reason why I love doing it uh, in New Orleans is because people are just so open to, like, all of the different art experiences in the city. Like, uh, yeah, you know, how many times have uh, someone come to me and says, I don't know what I'm expecting, but, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. You know, that's always a funny experience, you know. And, uh, you know, just people in, you know, the literary, the literary uh, tradition in the city. Yeah. Um, it's really cool because a lot of people who live in the city, I don't deal with all tourists. Yeah, 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 it's a lot of people. Local, yeah, yeah. I see every day walking by and they'll stop and they'll just get a poem. Maybe they'll be have something on their mind or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, boom. You know what I mean? They'll have, you know, plenty of poems in the house. You know what I mean? While in New York, uh, people are kind of confused about what's really happening, right? And, um, you get those people from New York City who are just so... Good for you. No. In my opinion, people from New York City aren't that their reputation isn't really uh, they're cold and rusty and blah blah. Well, when you do poetry, that comes out. <laughs> my least favorite thing and this used to happen to me all of the time. It used to piss me off so much. Girlfriend, I get the phone. Okay, well, I'd read, it, I'd read the poem to the girlfriend. Of course, since it takes $20 to sneeze outside of your house in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? How many times they've walked away, just handed her to her boyfriend, and her boyfriend said, Oh, actor is mad. <laughs> like, you know what? You did. You should have been like, all right, let's see it happen. <laughs> right. Write something like that right, right now. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. That's pretty frustrating. Yeah. And then DC, DC is just, um, they just like power movers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, well, so I guess that's, that's an interesting question too. If you think of it like as a commodity, Right. Like poetry is a commodity, which there's nothing, nothing necessarily wrong about that. But no. do, you, do you see that 
it's is it a different kind of commodity here in New Orleans than it is maybe in other places, or is it dealt with in a different way? Man, so just uh, the ease of plot, action, and movement in New Orleans makes it just such a fertile place. So. Right for in New Orleans. You know what I mean? Like, uh, people are just like, uh, hey, you know, I had a lot to do with still being on vacation and, you know, like not, not, not having to be anywhere at any time at all. But at the same time, no, man, people are more willing to, like, uh, slow down. Slow down. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, some of my fellow poets, they can't, can't they can't have a conversation and write poetry at the same time. I I, I can, but I've been doing this for a long time. Now. Yeah. But um, you know, people want to stop. You know I mean, yeah, sure, I can totally uh, hold the conversation and talk to them at the same time. Uh, while other people, they don't want you to talk to them while you're writing for them. They want <laughs> they want everybody to be completely quiet. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, the other part of it that's interesting is I think it's got this kind of, like, the typewriter part of it. There's a bit of a nostalgia in the manual typewriter, to be sure, which... You kind of... thought about that a lot. There is some nostalgia to it, but, uh... looked at so many different typewriters, you kind of see uh, a difference in every yeah, yeah, type of yeah. Film. And then, um, right, that was always the things in all the, uh, like, detective stories, right? They would know who did it from that typewriter, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, there's no other typewriter that typed that same one. But, I mean, it's hard to imagine someone sitting there with a computer and a printer right, right, right. doing the right. same thing. Yeah. No, it sounds like a New, York, New Yorker cartoon, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... I got a text picture as one of my poems on some of the refrigerator in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Right? And so I was like, wow, that's super cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, like it... Number one, I haven't written you a small book. It's just, you know, it's the size of... Roughly receipt. Bam, there you go. You know, I love keeping up with, okay, where is this going? Oh, it's going to Amsterdam. Oh, it's going to Poland. Oh, it's going to Australia. You know what I mean? Well, that's part of it, right? I guess with the typewriter, too, is it makes it seem like a more of a one of a kind thing. It is a one of a kind. Right, because you can't recreate that. Even if you had all the words to the poem and you married and everything, it's not the same as having that original artifact of, oh, I got this written from this person on this street at this particular okay. time. See, I'm a little psychotic for that. Uh, I uh, write it on carbon paper, so I keep a copy you get, of it. You get a copy, get yeah. A copy yeah. And I sign them all the same way. So. All right, when are you going to publish your book of all the carbon that's, copies? Of course, that's the question. No, oh, man, you want to see the box? Look, look, I have, I have a wine box. You know, as you see in, like, California with the... Yeah, Six yeah. Bottles of wine. <laughs> it's got a shoebox at the bottom of that, and then the shoebox is also covered with four thousand coins. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and you know what? If anybody knows the editor who works for cut rate prices, 
I would love That'd to. That'd be a cool book, man. Yeah, it would. <laughs> I mean, that thing scares me every time I go in there. I'd volunteer, but I don't right. have enough time no, as it is. <laughs> that right. sounds like an undertaking. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Any non-question-oriented things that you think it would be good for people to know about about doing the typewriter poetry? Encourage everyone who likes to write to like, at least try it once. You know, uh, go out. You know, uh, typewriters aren't prohibitively expensive. Uh, no, yeah. Ask the internet for uh, typewriters that's going out. And, uh, yeah, just uh, support your local typewriter troubadour, you know, we're doing our thing. I think that uh, hopefully you'll get an uplifting experience from it and a experience Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you.